Welcome to the Sports Finder Podcast. Let's get ready to rumble! Sports Finder community, we're back with our popular segment where we interview sporting individuals, founders, professionals from all over the globe. And today we have a very special guest, Mr. Michael Cross from Athlete Viewpoint. Michael, welcome to the show, buddy. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Mark? I'm doing very well, thank you. Uh, Michael, before we get into the nitty-gritty parts, parts of your business, Let's get back in time, Michael. Where did it all begin for you? Uh, where did it all begin? It began in Buffalo, New York. Uh, beautiful nice uh, place. part of the United States, yep. And uh, spent a lot of time there, traveled through the uh, various places of higher education as a personal student athlete, uh, playing basketball at the University of Buffalo. And then from there, I spent time at the University of Michigan, uh, spent about a decade at Princeton University. <laughs> Uh, followed by five years at Bradley University, uh, and then some time at Penn State University, um, where I currently am, and, and also spend time uh, working on the, the business athlete viewpoint. Awesome. Um, take us through your current progress, or actually tell us a, a bit about your background story about the athlete viewpoint. Yeah, so it's a, it's a project that really is a, is a it grew out of all of the various experiences that I just mentioned. So uh, my time at Michigan when I was there, I actually was a graduate student working on my doctorate, um, and during my time there, I was involved in a lot of research related to college athletics. Had to do with gambling, had to do with student athlete experience, had to do with NCAA rules compliance, and got a lot of foundational experience about a lot of the things that, you know, 20 plus years later uh, led to the launching of Athlete Point. And uh, when I moved from Michigan to Princeton and then from Princeton to Bradley, each of my stops and then even to Penn State, uh, continue to find myself involved in uh, research about student athlete experience. And what I found over and over is that people were uh, doing it on their own. Reinventing the wheel uh, from campus to campus. Uh, some of the work that was being done at some campuses really wasn't that great. Uh, some of the work that was being done at campuses was very good, but it was in a vacuum and there really was no standard of comparison between your information and how do you put that in context relative to other athletic departments and other environments. So uh, in 2015, spent about a year doing a lot of, of research and evaluation and uh, looking into the concept of could you take this concept that is really happening in most athletic departments across the country and outsource it? Could you put it into the hands of somebody who would who would do it in a standardized but customized way, uh, would provide really high-end visuals to uh, the user, and ultimately be able to give this information back to senior leadership of athletic departments so they can understand what their student-athlete experience is. So. Yeah, in 2015, spent quite a bit of time researching that. Uh, we launched officially and publicly in 2016 with 10 schools. 
Uh, from there, we went to 25 schools in our second year. Uh, last year was our third year. We were up above 40, and now we'll be at 50 plus institutions uh, for the 1920 uh, academic year. Amazing, phenomenal. Um, talk to me about some of the current challenges starting the business and basically growing it to work where it is now, working with 50 plus institutions. Yeah, it's a great it's a great question, and, and when you think back and we think about where we are, uh, in some ways it's hard to believe where we've, we've come to. Uh, but even at this point, so much of what we do, it's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of time on task. Uh, in the interest of full disclosure, um, you know, my, uh, our, my co-founder uh, is also my wife. Uh, so she's got an extensive background in uh, college, uh, higher education in general, not in the athletic space, but in student affairs. And so our, our skill sets complement each other quite well, um, and we've brought it all together in a way uh, that has been very organic in its growth. You know, the challenges, first of all, always have to do with time. I mean, when you're a small uh, operation starting, uh, there's no accounting department to turn to. There's the accounting department. When uh, you're trying to sell, there's no sales force to sell. You're the sales force. When you're you everything. Time, no, 100%. Yeah. 100%. So... It's uh, there's no easy or quick fixes, and there are no. Uh, I think everybody thinks about their business and goes, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna you know, on the growth chart, we're gonna hockey stick up and, and be like the next Amazon." And it it really doesn't happen that way. Um, you have to be pretty darn focused on what it is you're trying to accomplish. Be I think very focused on who it is you're trying to attract and what your target market is. And if you can stay in your lane and be disciplined in those types of um, decision making, uh, I think it allows you to move forward in progressive ways. Um, and ultimately, we've reached a stage where you know we thought when we started out this would be a pretty sticky business, uh, and it's proven to be that. You know, the information that we provide people, they really appreciate. It's it's clearly when we look at the the data made a difference in the experience of the student-athletes. I mean, as we've gone from Parker and Bowman, have been with us for four years, uh, the change in the look and the ratings and the evaluations from the student-athletes of their experience in total uh, have shift, shifted markedly uh, in ways that I think help everybody. The, the student-athletes benefit, the coaches that are coaching them benefit because the coaches have clear understanding of the types of things that matter to the athletic administration and decision-making. Uh, and ultimately puts you in a place where you can feel like you're making a difference in the lives of your student-athletes and uh, preparing them for future success once they leave the institution. Hey, Michael, we live in a database world. I mean, everything's data. Um, no question. All these huge organizations like Amazon and Facebook, or not, for, forget the facade on, on the front end. Worry about the data that they've compiled and what, and what they can do with it, basically. They can literally control lives. But... Anyway, we're not going to get into, into, that, into, into that topic. Um, one one uh, interesting thing that's happened recently is um, the permission for athletes to go on and bring on their own sponsors. Um, how is that going to impact you guys in terms of you guys? Would, would that mean you guys would also collect another aspect of data? That you could potentially once again uh, sell to external organisations looking to invest in these athletes, or 
you know, what's the story there? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, we've thought about that to some extent. You know, really, the, the approach that we take and our, our our clients, our partners, are not the, are not the student athletes themselves. They're the institution where the student athlete participates. So we don't uh, we we in, in our institutions that we work with, the school, college, and university, view that information with very proprietary views uh, and with with a lot of privacy expectations. Around it. So the information that we collect, we do not share beyond the organization. The only way the information is shared with anybody that we work with is specific to um, taking the data and giving an aggregate comparison to the institution. So, for example, if a, if a student-athlete or, or a team rates their head coach on the head coach's communication skill, that coach's rating can be compared to all of the other coaches in that sport that are part of our platform. So that's the only way that the data is used. You can't go institution to institution simply that coach against everybody else that's in that sport. So we are very protective of the information. Don't share it beyond the organization. Uh, your question about how the name image likeness aspects of college athletics could impact that are, are an interesting one. Uh, we design our questionnaires and our information for, um, we design that for, for the administrator in their eyes. So if the administration and various institutions have questions about that, we will ask those questions for them on the end so we can get that data back. Um, I could envision a scenario where that information becomes of interest to sponsors as we now we can start to monetize their name, image, and likeness, there could be possibilities where those types of images, that type of interaction could be something that gets, gets woven into our platform that perhaps pays for the service. Um, that could be a potential avenue, but as a way to use the, the data that we collect and then send it back out for other means, perhaps commercial means, that's not something that is part of our business plan uh, or consistent with, uh, with our belief how that information should be used, which is for the betterment of the student-athletes at the institution. And being in a competitive business, uh, people don't want their information out there in the hands of others. So we treat that, that information very, very uh, cautiously and carefully. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, talk to me about the current state of the, um, the college ath athletic system and how technology has basically di disrupted what used to be five, six, seven years ago? It's, ch it's changing at an incredible pace. Interestingly, I think that in the college athletic space, we lag behind the professional athletic space um, in a number of ways. But uh, there's a lot of aspects of the experience that we create that have been impacted. You know, if you look at student-athlete um, student performance, for example, God, student-athletes who are wearing heart rate they're wearing uh, loop straps to track their sleeping habits. They're taking all kinds of hydration and nutrition testing. They're uh, spending time in bod pods. We're tracking every measurement and movement uh, that they perform in the weight room in a strength conditioning session. We're using force plates to, to measure their uh, their power from a, from a standing jump. I mean, we're using all kinds of technology. There's no shortage of ideas uh, as to how to human performance. Uh, and we see on the fan space as well, there's no shortage of ideas as to how to 
use data to enhance sales of concessions, to sell more tickets, to raise more money. Those are areas that people are delving into. Some people are getting into them much quicker than others. Um, and, the, and the data when brought together, and I think that's probably one of the gaps right now, is we can find that information into one spot that really can leverage is one of the challenges across much of college athletics. But that is a potential area to go. The one place where, where I think at least viewpoint fits in, in, in our niche is where, where does the, the, the mental, the emotional, the experience aspect get measured? And there, there aren't a lot of um, opportunities to measure those things. I mean, people really look at that, but I go, oh, it's, it's all performance, it's all numbers. It's really not that simple. This is, this is a, uh, a human uh, communication contact force. And the extent to which you have good relationships and you're playing for the person next to you and competing on behalf of the person next to you or your alma mater or your institution, whether it's uh, you know, Michigan or UCLA or, or you know, the, of the, the All Blacks or whoever it might be, whatever organization it is across the country or across the world, uh, that, that willingness to put yourself in the trenches next to that person and compete for the person next to you is just as important as anything. And to compete for the person who's your leader, your coach, your coaching staff, and knowing that everybody's pulling their oar in the same direction is really, I think, one of the powerful tools that everybody seeks to find. And yet, doesn't always, they don't always find uh, that synergy because they don't have the understanding of the pieces that go into making that happen, which is where we try and build void. Awesome. Sounds uh, extremely interesting. Um, what does the future look like? Where are we heading? So we're heading, uh, I think we're heading in a couple directions. And gosh, that's a really blue sky, uh, <laughs> open, open uh, air possibility of where we could go. Technology is going to continue to be a factor without question. Uh, you know, I was looking at your website before we jumped on the podcast. And in every single one of the areas that you're talking about, whether it's moving goods, creating new ideas, selling goods, whatever it might be, that information is going to matter. That data is going to matter. Part of what's going to matter there, I think, is, is beyond the data is trust. Okay, the, the extent to which you can determine and discern who is trustworthy and who is not is, is incredibly important. Um, so that piece matters. Your reputation in the marketplace matters. Brand. Your ability to deliver over and over matters. So that, I think, trust and the value that people place on trust increases more and more all the time. Uh, I don't know how often this phrase makes it over to, to your side of the world, but the phrase fake news is a popular one here in the States. Um, you know, there, and there's, there's, you know, people, fake news is in the eye of the beholder, I think, depending where you, who you trust and where you get your information from. Somebody might do something as fake and the other person might do the exact same thing as real and highly trusted. Mr. Uh, Trump's that, made that. Mr. Trump, sorry, Mr. Trump's made that phrase extremely popular. He has made that extremely popular, no question about it. And, and, but the undercurrent there is that it goes to the question of how do you discern quality? How, and, and so when you say where do things go, uh, I think a related piece to that is the importance of branding. The strength of your brand, the strength of, of your who you are, what you represent, and what that brand and logo means in a very short attention span environment becomes very crucial. That if somebody says 
sports find and they know, oh, I can go there because I know I'm going to get my stuff. It's going to be here on time. It's going to be what I expected. If it doesn't work out, they're going to back it and return it. Same thing with athlete viewpoint. I can go there. I know I'm going to get good data. I'm going to get great information about the experience of our athletes. I'm going to be able to act on that information and, and take it forward. So that's where you want to get. Um, but you don't have to take over the world. I mean, we don't have aspirations to do that. We've got a, got a narrow lane. We stay in our lane. Uh, but you can be really successful doing that. Uh, you know, we're not going to be Amazon. Uh, you know, we're not going to be, uh, you know, Apple. That's not where we're trying to go. We're trying to working with people who want to work with us and, and value the types of things we value. And when you can find, you know, 50 to 100 like-minded individuals on that front, all of a sudden you're in a pretty good place. So, um, you know, and it, it, when you get that core group and then starts to build from there, you get those outer concentric circles that keep going outward, uh, you're all of a sudden in a pretty good spot. Absolutely. Brand is the way forward. I mean, now, forward, past, it's always been all about brand. Because, um, and one of, and one of the biggest things that I'll, I've been preaching for so many for for the last couple of years actually, is that there's going to be a stage where a lot of our searching online, sorry, not even online, through our phones and search engines is going to be voice, right? And when you're saying something into a speaker, you're only going to get one or two results if you're lucky. Google's going to tell you, oh, this this is available. Amazon's going to put their their brands before anyone, right? Mm-hmm. With their with their Echo and and my and 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 so on. So, how do you put your your organisation front and centre and not rely on the search results of that speaker or that or that search engine by making sure people know what your brand stands for and and increasing and improving that brand affinity so when 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 i think sports finder for example it should be that the consumer in the future thinks sports finder and relates it to sporting goods immediately so they pick up their phone and they, and they say take me to sports finder what sports finder specials today you don't get so that's that's the future if your brand is not solid concrete you, you're not going to be able to basically have the consumer make make these searches based on your brand. It's going to be a general search. Good luck ranking. Good luck paying and being these, these larger organizations. Yeah, that's a great. That's a great question. Uh, I I think it's going to the answer to that question is going to vary uh, for you versus what we might do. So, in in your world and the things that I understand that you're trying to do. You could, you could offer sporting goods products across a, an incredible array of areas, boxing, basketball, football, baseball, soccer. And you go down the list, there's a lot of different things. Uh, you're, you're running a sporting goods store. You're running, you know, a, a Chevrolet type environment. Uh, and I think that aspect of what you're talking about is, is challenging, uh, because there's a lot of competition in that space. That's where it goes back to this question of trust. Um, the challenge of building uh, building the business from, you know, always trying to grow sales, if you will, grow new market share is a tough one because you're, you're inevitably competing and, and churning through advertising dollars. Your cost of, cost of, uh, customer acquisition is going to go through the roof. Uh, those things can be really challenging. So the key in my mind becomes repeat business. You know, that people don't necessarily go and say, I'm going to go and shop for the lowest price pair of whatever pair of shoes 
uh, you know, used equipment. I'm going to go to the place that I can trust the most, and I'm willing to pay a premium. Might not be a huge premium, but I'm willing to pay a premium or short circuit my search in other places, knowing that when I ask that this be sent to my house, that it's going to arrive, it's going to be as it is stated, those types of things. And those are the types of things I think are crucial in, in your world. I think the same thing applies with us, that, that when people say, we've got a research project, we've got to figure this out, hey, we've got a good relationship with Michael Cross, uh, Athlete Viewpoint has done a great job, let's continue to try and work with them, and, and when the next research project comes up, this might not be exactly what they did initially, but they go, hey, you have the ability to do this, and more often than not, the tools we have can be applied in lots of different ways. The experience that we have across, you know, between myself and my co-founder, along with the other people that work with us, we've got, you know, hundreds of years of experience in, in higher education and college athletics. Applying those to the project, whether it's um, having to do with staff satisfaction, whether it has to do with evaluating a conference championship, uh, whatever it might be, we can provide those tools and, and have people feel like it's going to be handled well and handled the way that makes sense. So. Really, it's it's the repeat business, the return business, and and I mentioned the word stickiness before that becomes a, a real driver of how you become successful. I think. Absolutely, could not agree more. Um, Michael, thank you very much. You've been amazing. You've shared uh, some great insight with us. We've definitely learned a ton from you. Before we wrap things up, uh, quick message to our fans: Where can we find you online? And, and any last words? Sure. Uh, find us online very easily at athletesviewpoints.com. Uh, that's our website, so very simple to track it down. Uh, and any last word, uh, you know, I, I think the biggest thing I would, I would say is um, in, in the background, I've often thought, and, the, and I'm, you know, the interest of full disclosure, I'm 52, okay? I've, I've thought for a long time about how you start a business, what you do to push it forward, etc. And uh, it took a long time to get here, and I think it took a long time to get here for a couple of reasons. One, I needed to get cumulative knowledge uh, that had to be brought together in a way that would allow me to see a path forward in the business. I think the second thing, though, that I would share is that I think a lot of times people have this idea, and they go, oh, I don't want to tell anybody about this because somebody might go and run with it, and, I, and I'm going to lose out. The reality is that you have to get yourself surrounded by people who, have fought those battles, been down the paths, and, and have an interest in uh, partnering and collaborating and sharing. Um, you know, there's a reason why on every corner there's if there's a McDonald's, there's usually a Burger King close by. You know, that some people like McDonald's, some like Burger King. You're not going to get everybody, uh, but there's a lot of it. If you've got something that has value and going to make the world a better place or whatever it is you're trying to do. You can be successful, and the idea that you have to compete against somebody and protect and insulate uh, against those things is, is probably pretty fruitless, number one. And number two, it's going to churn a lot of time and energy and dollars as opposed to simply saying, I'm going to go be the best that I can be in this space. I'm dedicated and passionate to it, and I'm going to push it forward and not worry about protections and, and legalisms and all these types of things. Run a great business. Uh, run it on a handshake. Uh, or as close to a handshake as you possibly can, and, and I think it'll work out pretty well. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, the man himself, Mr. Michael Cross from Athlete Viewpoint, thank you very much for joining me on the Sports Finder podcast. Thanks for the opportunity. Appreciate it.
Thank you for listening to the Sports Finder podcast. We'll catch you on our next episode. Y'all ready for this?